0: It's the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music.
1: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving filled with football, family, friends, and, and food, and all the Fs that, that people talk about, all cheesy like. You can follow me on Twitter at James Erpine, and please like, share, and subscribe to the Locked On Bengals podcast. You'll get. Audio, exclusive audio that you've heard earlier this week from Bengals players from the locker room. Earlier this week we heard from Cedric Pierman, Tyler Boyd, and Rex Burkhead. But before every Bengals game, Joe Goodberry joins us, and we preview the upcoming matchup, and he's on the line, and we're going to do that as we do uh, every week. Joe, you can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, let's start here, because we talked on ESPN 1530 this this offseason season and said, well, if A.J. Green is injured or Tyler Eifert's out, the Bengals are probably going to struggle on offense. There's not going to be enough targets or enough weapons for Andy Dalton. And now that A.J.'s out for an extended period of time, Giovanni Bernard's down for the season, it seems like we could say, hey, Bengals, we told you so.
1: Yeah, and we talked about every scenario, too, of adding a weapon, especially a wide receiver, a starter better than Brandon LaFell." But even we talked about after just adding a depth guy because they were going into this season very thin, and especially compared to previous years. How deep they've been at wide receiver. Now you've got to lean on James Wright and Cody Core as as those outside receivers. I don't know if they're going to put Boyd on the outside in two wide receiver sets. You know, do they think he's that guy or is he strictly a slot guy? If they see him just as a slot guy as they have all year, and at least that's the way they talk too, uh, then. We're gonna we're gonna have James Wright or and Cody core on the outside probably James Wright just because that's how the Bengals do things but that's that's such a drop off to what we've had at wide receiver over the past few years uh, the Bengals knew what they were going into this season with very thin at wide receiver if they lost anybody they were gonna have to play someone uh, with very little experience they were doing that anyways with boy, all year but knowing he was gonna be a rookie that could step in and. and play early in the season, the backups you had no idea what you had in them. You didn't know if James Wright was going to be healthy, first of all. And then Cody Core, obviously he's only been active one week, I believe, this year. So you knew he was a project. They came in the season very, very thin at wide receiver. And not only did they lose their best guy, but it, you know, obviously that's going to hurt you anytime, but now you're putting a player out there that you have no idea what, what he's going to bring to you, what he can offer. Hey, maybe it'll surprise us, because I was just thinking you know, the other day, when's last time the Bengals had somebody step in like an unknown an undrafted guy or, or a late-round pick like Cora Wright would be and had a guy really explode. You see, see that happen all around the NFL every week for other teams. The Bengals rarely have a guy like that just step up and, and have a great game. Uh, so that would be that'd be fun to see.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and I will say as far as Boyd goes, everything I've heard and in, in all the Bengals people I've talked to down there at Paul Brown say that Boyd is going to play outside some. They're preparing for him to, to take some snaps outside, but he, he'll take I, w- I would say probably 75 percent of the snaps in the slot.
1: Yeah, they've been a heavy three-wide receiver team ever since Eifert came back. So that would make sense if he still played 75% in the slot because I still expect them to be out there with three-wide receivers most of the time anyways. So, if you know, anytime you are, you're going to put them in the slot. If they're going out there with two-wide receivers, uh, which is really only about 20% of the game that, that they've showed the last three or four weeks, uh, that would make sense if he's playing outside in that.
0: So, Joe, my, my magical idea, and obviously – Ken Zampezi hasn't had a great first year as an offensive coordinator. The offensive line not, not only has the, the wide receiver issue, Tyler Eifert was injured, but the offense uh but the the offensive line struggled as well. So I, I look at this and now you lose AJ Green, you lose Giovanni Bernard. The one thing I came up with, and I'm not an offensive coordinator by any means, is doing the three tight end combo when CJ Uzama's healthy, he's been banged up with a, a calf injury. But what would you what would you feel or how would you feel about doing a Tyler Eifert, Tyler Croft, C.J. Uzama, just three tight end set to kind of get a matchup or a size difference or just something uh, that this offense hasn't done yet that that could potentially help them without A.J. Green and Gio?
1: Yeah, I'm for it. Uh, first of all, because I think they want to run the ball a little bit more. If you lose Green, you lose Geo, You're going to bring things in a little bit tighter, I think, and, and play a little more power football. Uh, with the tight ends. I think tight ends are a mismatch no matter how you slice it in the NFL. Obviously Eifert can, is a weapon. He can mine up all over the field. Uh but you remember Uzama and Croft were former receivers also. Uh, they've turned into decent blockers. Look I think they all have. It's uh, to a credit to them, the guys that are known for their receiving ability, have turned into decent blockers. But if Uzama's healthy, you can split him out, you can split Croft out. You can do a lot of things with these guys. You can get matchup advantages by bringing in tight ends. Uh, The defense is going to lose their corners or maybe only come in with one corner, come in with a goal line defense maybe, Uh, an extra linebacker, bring down a safety, and you split out one of these tight ends, you're going to get a one-on-one matchup with a linebacker or a safety. and i got to like that advantage, especially if it ends up being Tyler Eifert in that situation, which you would expect if they're trying to get him the ball. I really like that option, even though Uzama's hurt right now. It might even be an opportunity to bring Jake Fisher and get him some snaps. So if you want to run the ball, you want a guy that's, that's obviously a, a better blocker than you would expect from a tight end uh, because he's an offensive lineman. But you bring him in, you keep him on the line, and you do some creative offense with Croft and Eifert, you still can create some advantages that way and still be able to run the ball. So maybe you come out with Jake Fisher on the line, you split Eifert out wide, uh, Croft uh, in the slot, and maybe LaFell on the other side, and you run the ball out of that, you're going to have some advantages, especially up front. You split those guys out, the linebackers go with them, you're running against an empty box. I think it's something they could definitely do. You can get creative with this. You can survive. If they want to go tight end heavy, I would be excited to see it. If you watch the Redskins, not just this week, but they were just on prime time either last week or the week before, they did a lot of that, too, and they had success running the ball. So if Jay Gruden's got it in his playbook, I can imagine it's somewhere in ours, too.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing is I look at, at the Redskins because I watched him yesterday. I watched him in primetime against Green Bay, and he is creative, and it's not like Kirk Cousins. He's putting up big numbers. It's not like he's checking the ball down the field. Usually it's right. it's it, it's short. It, it's nothing too crazy. Andy Dalton's the same type of talent-wise, uh, I would say. But, but I, I look at previous Bengals offensive coordinator Hugh Jackson. I would trust him in this spot. I'm not sure I trust Ken Zampezi to put Andy Dalton in a spot to win with, let's face it, so many holes and, and they're they're starting behind and going up against a Ravens defense that's one of the best in the NFL.
1: Yeah, the Ravens defense is still pretty good. That, their offense might be as bad as ours right now, as bad as the Bengals, but you're right, the defense is still pretty good. Zampezi, I, I get it. I don't trust him either. I don't trust that he can get creative enough. I don't trust that he puts Dalton in good situations. When you watch... Uh, Hugh Jackson's offense, and he's getting decent production out of, like, Cody Kessler and some other really bad quarterback. Not bad, but maybe inexperienced or, or less talented than you would get around the league. I mean, there's a Browns; They haven't won a game. But he's getting decent production considering the talent he's using that quarterback. You look at the Redskins, Jay Gruden is getting very good production out of a guy I would say is extremely similar to Andy Dalton and, and Kirk Cousins. And he's getting very, very, very good production out of him. And, and as you can see, they've been in the playoffs last year. They probably go again this year. When you watch the difference of what the Bengals offense is doing, and especially it's a, it's a stark contrast from last year with Hugh Jackson, he really made it easy on Dalton to decipher the blitz, and, and know where guys are coming from and have a secondary option. And there was always somebody open against whatever blitz the, uh, the defense wanted to throw at them. The, the difference in numbers, I wish I wrote them down. The difference, but someone just had it, the, uh, and they posted it online. difference in numbers, Manny Dalton versus the blitz last year versus the blitz this year, is completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Ugh. Dalton coming off three of the, a, a bad three-game stretch right now. It's going to be on him to carry this offense again. Uh, I don't like what they're doing with, especially with picking up blitzes, especially with their hot routes, especially with knowing who to go to uh, and deciphering pre-snap, post-snap. Uh, they're in a bad way right, way right now in the passing offense, and that was with Green. He was really only Green winning one-on-one consistently, and you always get production out of him because he's a freak. Outside of that, you really don't trust this passing offense.
0: Joe, would you put Tyler Eifert out wide, even if like you can't do the three tight end set that we talked about previously, kind of make him a, a tight end, but also Jordan Reed, who lines up left or right, he lines up outside the majority of the time. Now, would you do that to, just to try to get him the ball and put him in a, a successful situation against a corner?
1: They did a lot against the Redskins. The Bengals did uh, with Pfeiffer. It, it seemed like they really had that package ready for the whole year, and they, they threw it all out there. Yeah, he lined up out wide a bunch. He had a couple targets that way. They didn't do it as much last week, which was surprising, considering Green went out very early. You would have thought, okay, we can install this and put a few more in this. They, they like putting them in the slot standing up, but I would like to see them out wide more, because it, it not only does it give you a matchup, say a linebacker, or a safety go out with him, you know it's man coverage. If a a corner stays out there with him, you can pretty much tell it's zone coverage, You know, depending on a few other factors. But it's a really good tip-off by who goes out and covers Tyler Eifer and where they go. Uh, So, yes, you use him as a a piece not only to create an advantage, but it helps your quarterback too. So, yes, I would do that, and I would do it often. And and if Rex Burkett is going to get to play a little bit more, and I know a lot of fans are excited about him, we know at least you can split him out or put him in the slot. We've seen that before. If they want to get a little creative with him, I think that can also help them read the defenses. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do because now it's not just winning one-on-one. You really don't have, outside of Eifert, you don't have a guy that can win one-on-one man-to-man options. I think we're going to get a lot more man coverage this week with green out. Uh, you're going to have to get creative. It's going to be on the offense to manufacture yards rather than your players just winning one-on-one matchups.
0: You're listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine. Every week, we're joined by Joe Goodberry to preview the upcoming Bengals game. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Let's let's look at the the Ravens offense because it's funny. I never thought a thirty seven year old Steve Smith and, and Mike Wallace coming off of the seasons he had would be well considered better weapons than what the Bengals have. But as bad as this Ravens offense is, let, let, let's actually let's start with the the, the quarterback, Joe Flacco. Is he as good as he was back when they made that Super Bowl run? And compare him to Andy Dalton.
1: Joe Flacco is hes not good. He's bad, actually. <laughs> he's not. He's not good. I mean, wow. I know he won the Super Bowl, but those that four-game stretch in that, in that playoffs was fantastic. It was easily the best he's ever played. I mean, it would have been good for any quarterback to play that, that le- at that level. I don't know what went through him at that time, but I remember being super impressed. Like, man, maybe if Joe Flacco arrived, and since then, the talent around him has kind of eroded, especially at running back. Uh, lost some receivers in the meantime. Uh, yeah, for getting production out of Steve Smith, uh, as old as he is. And what Mike Wallace, credit to you, James, though, because you liked Mike Wallace in the offseason. You really wanted the Bengals to sign him. Uh, I kind of wish they did now. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Flacco just misses so many routine throws. Routine throws. You'll see it, You're going to see... Four or five guys open this week. He's just going to miss them. Either hit it, throw it in the dirt, put it too high, uh, too, be late on the throw. If you get him to move his feet just a little bit with interior pressure, and I think that's why the Bengals have had so much success against him with their double-A gap blitz with Geno Atkins. Uh, if you get him to move off his mark just a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, or even back into the pocket, because he'll drift in the pocket and still try and throw it, you can get a lot of errant throws from him. And the Bengals also like to play zone and play deeper zone. And just say, Flacco, we're not going to let you chuck the ball downfield. We're going to make you throw it short. We're going to come up and trust our guys to make tackles. And he starts to get antsy, and you'll see it as the game goes on. He'll get more and more antsy to try and fit a ball in the tight cover tight coverage or throw it deep, and he'll throw an interception or he'll throw a questionable pass. Uh, and that's why the Bengals have had so much success. He's really having a bad year this year, as bad as he's been in a while. And things, I mean, he's come off an injury, so maybe he didn't get to work on his mechanics as much. But you'll see it, and. It's not pretty right now. I definitely would take Andy Dalton over over Joe Flacco. The rest of the offense, though, you're right. Offensive line for them, they've drafted Ronnie Stanley in the first round. He's been hurt, and even when he's played, he hasn't played well at all. They're missing guys. They lost Kalilio uh, Samelli at left guard. He went to the Raiders. Uh, they, they're in a bad way in the offensive line. They're in a bad way in the running game. They've got a gaggle of tight ends. They can't decide on who's playing or who's good out of, out of the group. Even though I like the guys, especially some of the guys coming out of the draft, but. Mike Wallace is a threat at any time, and Steve Smith not only will beat you, but he'll beat you up, too, at the same time. So he's fun to watch, but that's, that's, that's their offense in a nutshell.
0: The Bengals' defense has played better the past couple weeks. Do you think, and I think I know the answer, but can they contain the Ravens' offense, hold them, let's say, especially with the Bengals' offense, to win? I'd say they'd have to hold them under 20. Do you think that's a, a realistic goal for the Bengals' defense?
1: Man, I wouldn't be surprised if this game was 16-13. It's going to be a low-scoring, probably boring game. And because I said that, it would probably be a fantastic shootout. (laughs) Right, because that's how it happens. But, yeah, I think this is just going to be a close game. This might be a kicker game. We've had a few of those. uh, Oh, God. Their kicker is better. Breaking news. Justin Tucker
0: is better than Mike Nugent. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. I, I, if if anyone's going to kick five field goals to, to win the game, like Shane Graham did a couple of years ago, it'll probably be Justin Tucker rather right, than Mike Nugent, right? But if that happens, it's just more fuel to the fire for the crazy fans, and us included, that... Would like to see a new kicker in here, but yeah, I do think the defense can hold the uh, the Bengals or the Ravens offense. The uh, Ravens offense isn't it really isn't good. Uh, out of the first couple drives, that's when they'll score. And the uh, same thing with the Bengals defense. That first drive, they usually give up a touchdown for whatever reason it is, and it'll clamp down afterwards. I, I expect something very similar. Halftime after halftime, the Ravens offense has been putrid, uh, extremely bad. And if the Bengals have a lead or are close at, at halftime, uh, they can come away with a win.
0: Joe let's flip it on offense let's say the Bengals don't do anything crazy or anything really unique it's Tyler Boyd in the slot Brandon LaFell on the outside Tyler Eifert mixed in with a little Tyler Croft Jeremy Hill in the backfield can this offense get over the hump and score 20 plus points they've had a week now to prepare without AJ Green Giovanni Bernard is that enough time do you see them playing better this week than they did last
1: week no, and it's going to be extremely hard. I, I don't know how they can. Uh, they were scoring 20 with Green, it felt like, for most of the weeks. The offense hasn't been good for most of the year. It's survived when Green has gone off and really had big games. They, they've gotten big games on offense. Uh, without him, uh, I don't know who's going to have that to put up that type of production. None of these guys are really burners. You know, Even if Pfeiffer catches nine passes, eight passes, they're going for 12, 13 yards to catch. He's not going to be stretching the field uh i, I think lafell's averaging 12 yards to catch uh boyd's averaging 10 yards to catch you're not going to be stretching the, you're not going to stretch the field you're not going to just automatically get long gains and, and big touchdowns but you know what they weren't either with green it was green or nothing so it's hard to see them scoring more than 14 a game i think that's going to be the story of the rest of the year 14 uh, right they're going to lose
0: every game joe
1: <laughs> they might win one or two more games but, the rest of the year, Yeah, if Green's it's, not here. So 14, they, yeah, like if can,
0: it's today, I mean, the, even if the defense is great, it's 14.
1: Right, well, they lost um, to the Bills just last week. What was yeah. it? Uh,
0: 16 16-12
1: or whatever. Yep. Right. I, it, it, that's what I expect to see, to be honest with Ooh. you. Even though they've had a week to prepare, you're just Green does so much for the offense, not only for Dalton, for the offensive line, because defenses are scared to blitz everybody, but for the rest of the receivers, because the, the safety is shading so hard towards Green that LaFell gets one-on-one coverage all day. Boyd gets one-on-one, or bracket coverage, his own coverage that he can chew up. Uh, Lef- uh, Eifert gets less coverage towards him now. Everything gets open, and when Eifert and Green were there together, you're seeing more cover, too, and the running game looked a little bit better. Without that, you're going to see eight in the box. Maybe he'll break off a run because that's the only time he really has broken them off against the Ravens last year. Was it last year? Yeah. And the, uh, and versus the Broncos this year, when he broke off runs, it's because there was eight in the box. So maybe that's the hope. Maybe we see Jeremy Hill like he was as a rookie. Maybe they transform their offense completely. And if that's the case, then yeah, maybe they can get 20, 21 points a game. and The defense can hold the, the defense, the defense can hold the other teams below that. If that happens, yeah, they get, they have a chance But as slow as they've been to adjust this year on offense and with Ken Zambezi, I just can't assume that's going to be the change they make. That's a change a really good offense coordinator makes like Hugh Jackson.
0: Tyler Boyd, Brandon LaFell, the focus has been on them. Out of the two, I'd say Tyler Boyd has the best chance to thrive and maybe catch a deep pass or two. I think he's faster than LaFell. He's obviously younger. I don't think either one has top-end speed, but Boyd said he was confident on those deep routes. I talked to him earlier this week. Do you see them maybe using him in that way at all, or, or is that putting in, a, in a, him in a position uh, to fail?
1: I don't think it's putting him in a position to fail. I think he's definitely had a strength in the slot against zone, where he can run good routes and get open against zone. But we saw in the preseason, his ball skills are fine. His speed isn't top end. But with the ball skills you have, being a decent size, because he does have decent size, uh, he is a good route runner. He's an intelligent route runner. So he can he knows leverage he knows positioning with his body and uh, he can get open deep. It's going to have to be good throws. It's going to have to be perfect throws. I'm thinking of the ones in preseason from McCarron and they were fantastic throws. Uh, so you're going oh, to oh,
0: you just said situations. that. You know people are going to say bring in McCarron. now.
1: and then you've already seen people say it now. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> we should see what McCarron has, and then that's that. I think that word's way too early and silly talk, but. To get back to Boyd, <laughs> I want to see more opportunities for him. I want to see him lined up everywhere. I want to see him outside. I don't want to see him get defals because we haven't seen—have we seen one yet in the regular season? No, not to Boyd? Boyd. Nope. Right. I don't. I don't think we have. I felt like last last week though they did create some things for him. I think it was all week. They must have been putting it in and implementing it through the week to to get him some more some more passes. And that red zone play. That's the first time we've seen it this year. They've been faking that all year with the post to Lafell and uh and Boyd's been just been hooking up at the goal line. This week they did it opposite way and ran the corner route with Boyd and it was wide open. You could tell the corners were late to react because the Bengals haven't run that all year. They've run the exact opposite of that play. So you can tell they're putting that in for him. Uh, and when I went back to review the film the last few weeks, I went back the last three weeks to watch every single sack that that has taken and the offensive line has given up and Man, Boyd has been running much better routes. The progression he, he I've seen with him is evident on tape. Uh, he, he doesn't look so much like a rookie anymore. Everything looks faster. Everything looks crisper against the blitz. He was he was turning around at the right spot. Dalton was not seeing him. When he Dalton the trust his rookie receiver, uh, now he doesn't have a choice because that that probably is your best guy right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would agree with that, Joe. One more for you. I keep hearing about Rex Burkhead and him taking over. In, in There's a few angles to this, and, and we'll talk about all three here. One, I think Rex Burkhead is going to get the bulk of, of what Giovanni Bernard's snaps were. I don't think it'll be Cedric Pierman. Two, Cedric Pierman was activated this week instead of William Jackson. I disagree with that. I wanted to see the Bengals' first-round pick. wanted to get your thoughts on Rex Burkhead and the fact that they activated Cedric Pierman, not William Jackson.
1: Yeah, before I rant on the personnel decision of Deactivating your first rounder for your third, fourth running back. Let me talk about Burkhead and what he offers. Uh, Burkhead is, he's sneaky athletic. He's he's a white running back. So you don't think he's that athletic. You don't think he's that fast. (laughs) I'm glad you're honest. Right? Right. I mean, it's the truth. So that's just how it is. And when you look at his combine numbers, his three cone drill is fantastic. It's in like the 97th percentile for running backs. That's why they put him at receiver, because his hands are really good. He, he His cuts are really clean. He's really agile. And I think he can be a weapon as a receiving back. Plus, he's really good in pass protection. Not as good as Geo, but he's a little bit stronger than Geo, so he might be able to make up for it just a little bit. Plus, he hasn't had the experience anyway, so maybe he'll make up. Um, but when it comes to a third down back or in a guy that's going to play in your shotgun and in your, in your passing situations, He's definitely the guy that's going to get those snaps over pyramid pyramid has had opportunities before and he hasn't been a very good pass protector and he hasn't been a very good receiver either. I don't think, and even if he's healthy, this guy's coming off a broken forearm. So do we want to play him that much right now? Anyway, I think the Rex can give you most of what Geo gave you and, and, I know Gio's been kind of like an MVP of sorts for them, just as an every-down kind of guy, a guy that always seems to make a play when you need it. Even though he hasn't been flashy, hasn't broken off long runs, he has been a very good contributor over the last few years. Uh, I think Burkhead can give you a lot of that, and uh, I'm excited to see him. He's in his last year of his deal. I feel like the Bengals have underutilized him for years now. Uh, he's been really good on special teams this year, and he has been in previous years, but I'm really excited to see him and see him get some opportunities. Um, as far as the decision between Jackson and Pearman, I was so frustrated to hear it. I mean, you kind of knew this team would do something like this, especially after Geo's injury. They said well, they said the plan was all along to bring Jackson back, but Bernard's injury uh, really forced the decision to get a third and a special teams running back, in, you know, activated <laughs> like Pearman. That just sounds crazy to me. It, there's there's third and fourth running backs getting dropped and picked up and put on waivers every week in the NFL. Teams don't sweat it at all. But here you have the Bengals sweating out Cedric Pierman, who seems like a great guy, and he's been a really good teammate and a really good contributor to the team for a lot of years. But when you're talking about a first-round pick, and we've talked about this continuously, they draft these guys and they don't play them. They don't give them snaps. They they go two years without knowing what these guys are. They give them a little bit of snaps in year three. Look at Les Denard right now. And now they have to pick up the option on Denard for $10 million this offseason. And do you know what he is? Because I don't know what he is. Yeah, we don't know how good he is. People want to call him a bust. He's played three hundred snaps. We don't know what Eric Denard is in year three. We have Greg Kirkpatrick. They had to do the same thing with him, and now he's going into going into a free agent year. And we had a bad year last year, a really good year this year. I don't know what he what consistency he is. Is he this guy? Because I'll pay this guy. Is he going to fall back to last year? Is there an in-between somewhere? We don't know because we've only gotten two years of starting experience out of him. It should be four. It should be five years. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. we we got Jake Fisher right now. We've gotten how many snaps out of him? How many starts out of Jake Fisher? When Cedric Abley is playing so bad at right tackle, they let him fight through it. But we can't get Jake Fisher on the field. Clint Bowling's playing with a separated shoulder and, and making himself look bad the last two weeks. I really feel bad for the guy because he's so good uh, any other time. You can't play Jake Fisher at left guard for a couple weeks. you got to find a way to get these guys in the game and playing and contributing for your team. Uh, they're cheap labor. You see these teams that go to the Super Bowl and go mm-hmm. deep runs in the playoffs, yep. they're getting contributions from young players that don't cost anything on the cap. The Bengals waste those years, are forced to pick up options in fifth year uh, for – you know, a risk, like, Denard, I mean, Kirkpatrick was a risk to pick that up. They, he was coming up a bad year, and they had to pick that option up. Denard, you don't know what he is, and you've got to pick that option up. They keep putting them in situa- themselves in situations where it's way more harmful to the team if the guy flounders than it is beneficial, because you've wasted three years of good quality play. Someone brought up a point to me uh, uh, on Twitter. They said, well, what if the Bengals would have drafted Marcus Peters or Jason Barrett with any of those two picks, uh, different years. But Oh, you know, they should have got Barrett,
0: to Barrett too. He's so good. So is Peters.
1: Yeah. But, oh. they, right. Now, imagine they drafted those guys and set them for two years, three years, even two and a half years. We would have no idea how good they are. <laughs> and now maybe Denard isn't that good, but maybe he is. We really don't know. And until a guy goes out there and plays, guys can look bad in practice. Guys can look bad in, in and preseason games and they're just gamers they just play they just know how to play and guys respond to more snaps guys re- respond to the team's leaning on them and needing them to play but just imagining the Bengals sitting Barrett and Peters because they're rookies and this is how the Bengals do it it just that 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 drove me nuts and thinking how much I like Jackson Free Draft how much so many analysts like Jackson Free Draft as number 1 corner or maybe even a top 15 guy and here he is sitting uh, sitting and wasting his entire year uh, and now we got to choose what we're going to do with, with Kirkpatrick. If they ex- if they extend Kirkpatrick, that means Kirkpatrick and Pac-Man coming next year as starters with Denard and, and Shaw still splitting slot snaps because that's where we're at, then where is Jackson? He where sits. Is Jackson again and and I was just about two? to ask
0: that. Yeah, because that's what they're going to do. You know they're going to pay Dre. Right. They're not going to let Dre walk, especially after this season.
1: Exactly. And, and they're putting themselves in situations over and over and over again. And it drives you insane.
0: Yeah, it does. And I get the whole best player available approach, but that's the thing. If he was the best player and he's healthy, bring him back. Like, bring him back. It, it makes no sense. I, I don't know. I can find someone to play special teams. I can't find yeah. another first-round corner out of Houston. I, I don't know.
1: Exactly. And if Jackson comes in, and, and I've heard people say, well, they can't even find, find snaps for Denard. How are they going to find snaps for Jackson? They've clearly made it, made it known they like Denard in the slot. Uh, I think he would have played much more if Shaw wasn't playing so well. They'd kind of have a conundrum there of what, what are we going to do with these two guys because we like them both inside. They let Denard play on the outside, but only when a guy gets hurt. They're not subbing him into the guy's breathers. They're, they're subbing him when, when Kirkpatrick or, or Pac-Man get hurt. Uh, so Jackson would have been the next outside corner, I think. If you bring him back, uh, he's playing special teams. And if one of those guys goes down on the outside, or if a guy needs a breather, if the game's getting away in a positively or a negative way, you're losing or you're winning by by a big margin, you get Jackson some snaps. And what he can do in the second half of the year, would make your decision a little bit easier on what you're going to do with Drake or Patrick. Rookies can play well. It's not out of the realm of possibility that a rookie can contribute and help your team win in a big way. And the Bengals don't give themselves the opportunity to have that advantage.
0: Yeah, and the funniest part about that is with wide receiver, they wanted to use a first-round pick on a guy that could come in and make an impact right away, and yet they draft corners multiple times, multiple years, and they're, I don't know, if afraid to play them or they just don't want to put them in the game.
1: Yeah, and they really like Jackson, so I get it. But then you see the next two receivers that went were Michael Thomas and Sterling Shepard, and those are heavy contributors for their team. Yeah. And I'm not saying Boyd isn't, but you know, Boyd has been kind of up and down this entire year. It's not like he's been a phenomenal play, rookie for them. He's been okay. uh But those guys are guys that can beat man coverage. Those are guys that can win one-on-one situations. Especially Thomas, he can play on the outside. He's Pretty much their number one guy. And if he's not now, he will be very soon for the Saints. And I can see Sterling Shepard being a really good player for them next year, especially uh, for that offense that likes to pass and play three wide receivers all game. If you were gonna, if you really wanted a corner to come, I mean, a wide receiver to come in and start year one and be a heavy contributor, trade back in the first round and get that guy five, six picks later. They took Jackson because they were confident. And they told us, no, we're taking Jackson. You know, we don't need a corner because we think he is really good. We think he's a future number one corner. Oh, if you do think that, if you really think that, why did you make this decision? You know, it 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 drives you nuts.
0: Yeah, it does. And. and Man, you're so right, and the thing is, is would you would you have been mad? I know I wouldn't have been mad. Let's say they liked Boyd. They could have picked Boyd in the second round, and then in the first round still gotten Thomas, or still gotten Shepard, or whoever right. they graded higher. They did that the year before with Abwehi and Fisher, and people were praising them for it, and yep. they neglected the wide receiver position. If they would have picked a wide receiver in round one and two, I wouldn't have been mad about it.
1: We were so sure that wide receiver was the weakest spot on their team. Going in that draft, they had green, and that's it. They didn't have anybody. It was like even after signing LaFell, you're like, I don't really know what you're getting out of LaFell. He's not coming off a great year. He's never been that good. If they came into that draft and went back-to-back receivers, I wouldn't have blinked an eye. I would have said, you know what? Here's a team that recognizes the biggest hole on on their offense, and I'm probably on their entire team, and they attacked it. And they addressed it with potentially two good players if it was – Shepard and, and Thomas, well, it would have been really good, obviously. Oh, those my guys. God. Uh, right. Think <laughs> about that. Right. It would have been the right move. And it's different than tackle because you only play two tackles and they already have Andrew Whitworth, obviously. So when you take two tackles, one of them's not going to play for two years. I don't, you're, aren't you going to extend Whitworth this year? He's a free agent, mm-hmm. but he's still playing good enough. Aren't you going to give him a one or a two year deal? I guess you can keep getting one year deals uh, consistently. Where does that put Fisher next year? Do you let Ziegler walk just so you can finally play uh, Fisher? Because I think that's a pretty sizable downgrade. Even if is good, you're losing someone you know is a very good player in Kevin Zeitler. So the, the drafting and the strategy is really what put this team in this bind and in this hole right now. I, I mean, they've lost coaches. But where has the talent gone? They've only lost a couple of receivers, and Reggie Nelson It wasn't that big. It's the drafting and development of the last few years and the strategy and how you're going to get these guys on the field, how you're going to get them snatched. That's why they're in this hole right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got to get them on the field. They haven't. They've struggled draft-wise. And, and, Joe, I struck a chord there. I got you ranting, man. I appreciate yeah. it all the time. <laughs> um, and I, we'll, we'll talk after this game. We'll see if the Bengals can get their fourth win of the season, man. Yeah, let's see. That's Joe Goodberry. Follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Good stuff from him, as always. Struck a chord there with him, but I, I completely agree. Look, William Jackson the Third should be on the field. If he's as good as you say he is, get these first-round picks on the field. Get him experience. Now, next year, there's going to be a first-round pick that the Bengals choose, probably in the top 12 or so, and he's going to have as much NFL experience as William Jackson, who's healthy as of November 25th. 2016 makes no sense to me but i'm not the one making those calls you could follow me on twitter at james rapine share this podcast because you get stuff like that i didn't realize it but we went 12 minutes over there normally we keep this under 12 minutes on locked on Bengals. went to 32 new new theme music this week we'll change it up might change it up here and there it just depends like i said follow me on twitter at james rapine subscribe to the locked on Bengals podcast on iTunes, audioboom.com, and we will talk. Tweet me, like I said, uh, during the game I'll, I'll tweet a ton, and then we'll have a recap right here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. You'll get exclusive audio from the locker room as well, so keep it locked here. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast.